0: And joining us today is Dr Odette Lewis. Hi Odette, how are you?
1: Hi, good morning.
0: Uh, Could you tell us a bit more about yourself and your professional background?
1: I'm a civil engineer by profession and I've done so for the last 19 years. I um, got my bachelor's, my master of science and my PhD from the University of Malta. So apart from academia, um, during my professional career I have worked both for the public sector and the private sector. And I would say that my areas of expertise would be um, the design and planning of um, infrastructure.
0: That's fantastic. I think it's wonderful that you have experience in both the public and the private sector. It gives you a lot of perspective. What are some of the most important lessons you've learned through past experiences and during your career?
1: Um, I think I would mention collaboration as the first um, thing which um, uh, which is important and they carry with me in, in all my work. Um, having a network of professionals on whom you can rely um, be it for advice, be it for any opportunities which may develop I think that is strategic for the development of one's career. Um, following I would mention um, continuous professional development. One should never stop learning and uh, I think that's very important not only through Through research, but also through experiences which you meet on a day-to-day in 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 your career, and the third one is never to lose hope. So I was
2: wondering if you could go into a bit more detail about the master plan. What
1: is it exactly? What are the main components? Okay. So um, here we're discussing um, a project which um, uh, was carried out by around 10 Master in Engineering students Mm -hmm. back in 2015. Basically, um, these students, uh, obviously under my supervision, were tasked to go through an overview of the master plan for the growth of university vis-à-vis the buildings that were envisaged at that time. Then, obviously, we looked at it from a transport point of view. So basically, access to university, parking, circulation on campus. So basically, um, the students looked at all those aspects and the the intention was to give priority to the more sustainable modes of transport so basically to pedestrians public transport use parking management was also given an importance in 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 this study i would say one of the main outcomes was the emphasis on public transport for example having better access to buses the need to increase the frequency of a number of routes from a number of localities so those were a bit of some of the outcomes from from this particular study so that happened. Um, I wouldn't say that that happened. N- no, um, I will I will give an idea of of what happened between two thousand and fifteen and and two thousand and twenty right. because not every plan that is put forward in reality is implemented. Of course, ah,
0: if this study was carried out in 2015, five years is quite a long time. But in general, do you think that we met the predictions for the 2020 number of university occupants and parking spaces?
1: At that time, the University of Malta had indicated that by 2020 um, we should be having around a population of 20,000 students. In reality, now if we look at the statistics for this academic year, it's coming to an end 2019-2020, the statistics indicate a population of around 11,000 students. So so basically um, the, the, the figures are not as high as, as the forecasts which at that time were envisaged. In the meantime also, um, for example, at that time we were saying um, there should be a, a um, residential complex housing around 158 residential units. In reality, the university residence is being constructed, just next door, and it will house around 690 bedroom units, and it will also cater for around 460 car park spaces. So the information which we have now, and which is reality because it is being constructed, and the information which we had back at that time, obviously do not tally 100%. However, we mentioned, for example, the 460 par- car park spaces at the new um, university residence. However, the um, university strategy, the long-term strategy, is to try and shift as much as possible car park spaces from street level to underground. So, in this case, this is very much in line with what was envisaged at that time, basically trying as much as possible to move parking underground. So, I, I would say that, for example, that is taking place.
0: I mean, uh, just to clarify, you mentioned the, these residential units. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are designed for uh, local students, are designed for international students?
1: I do not have the details about that, but I would guess that obviously they would cater first and foremost for the international student, but I guess they can also be offered for, for example, Godzatine students. That would be a speci- specific need, where um, when we look into the realities of, of Godzatine students, we see that one of the struggles is for them to find accommodation close to university.
0: I think that would be quite clever. It can help even perhaps alleviate some of the, the pressure on the codes of air, for instance, in the peak hours of, of university. Uh, have you presented your proposals to government bodies?
1: I would like to to give a bit of background with what happened between 2015 and 2020. Mm In 2017, we had another cohort of students. This time it was a Bachelor of Science student. And basically, they were tasked this time to look at the issue, not just university, but university and matter day. So basically, they they were asked to look into um, public transport connections, um, connectivity, accessibility, and, and basically, students looked at, at these specific issues. Also, between 2017 and 18, there was um, an attempt to set up a planning and transport task force for Talro area. And in this task force, um, there were various contributions by the Planning Authority, Transport Malta, Infrastructure Malta, Matter Day and obviously university. So basically, the um, the brief of this task force was to come up with various mobility solutions for the area. So not only university but also the adjoining areas. I would say that discussions were interesting in 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 this task in these task force meetings. But I would say that at the end, no conclusive plans came to fruition. So. Um, because you asked me, did did you present to to government? So yes, there was the um, the occasion to discuss with these various entities um, uh, from let's say national government entities to discuss such proposals, but I wouldn't say that there were concrete solutions. However, obviously there are some initiatives which if you look around you can see being implemented. So for example, if we mentioned um, active travel signage on campus, it is something which we had mentioned in in, in our master plan studies and that is now there um, up and running. For example, we mentioned one project where basically we're speaking now about underground parking, not surface parking, and basically the opportunity that in future, some of the on-street parking can 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 be removed to cater for better quality of, of open spaces on campus. So some of the aspects um, were implemented or are being implemented, but if we look at the, the plan up to now, it is not um, 100% in place. Obviously, as you understand as well, In the meantime, we had some disruptions, for example, like we we have with COVID, and that, for example, changes the travel patterns, changes the number of international students who who will be attending university, changes also, for example, the progress of construction of various um, faculties, entities around university. So in transport planning, most of the time we try to forecast, we try to do assumptions, but reality has shown us especially in this recent year that sometimes you you can try to forecast um but things may also not go exactly as one plans
0: it's important to be flexible not just yes yes, that's it but if i may if i may ask uh, what were the reasons for it not being implemented this is the 2017 uh, initiative, right, that was presented?
1: No, basically the 2017 initiative was, I would call it more of a um, data collection exercise okay. on, on public transport routes, the, the the times taken, the routes, how, how they were operating, etc. The 2015 master plan was um, a student's project which was also presented to university and which was also based on the real situation of how university would evolve. As I said, it does not mean that each and every plan that is put forward is in reality implemented. One may may take a number of of aspects from it, and that happened, so a number of aspects were actually implemented, but um, one cannot say that the entirety of a plan were implemented.
2: Uh And how does this plan Mm -hmm. fit with current um, legislation? And with public policy, and also thinking about the way that we're shaping policy into the future, for example, as government is really
1: pushing the adoption of electric cars. So the emphasis on more green and sustainable modes of transport, and less reliance on the private car, as well as looking into the aspects of multimodality, so walking, cycling, using public transport, etc., these aspects align well both with current and future and transport policy. Basically, at a European level, the European transport policy is basically being geared towards what is being called as the European Green Deal. So, at, at that level, the European Green Deal looks at these aspects of multimodality, of um, cleaner vehicles, etc. So, I would say the main aspects of the master plan and the main aspects being put forward both national level and international level they, they are in sync.
2: Mm-hmm. That's great although I, f- I figured it would uh, be difficult for them not to be in sync when both the government and the students and publics would like to have less traffic and easier ways of getting around the island
0: Well, I think we can agree that it's in everyone's interest to reduce the amount of traffic on the island right?
1: Yes, that is in everyone's interest. But um, if you speak to the people in general and tell them, listen, are you ready to leave um, your car at home? That is a different situation. Mm-hmm. So um, you, you can have some aspirations. You can improve the infrastructures. You can educate. But then at the end of the day, it is the um, each individual's choice, whether to, to go for private car use or whether to go for other modes of transport.
0: I, I'm really glad that you mentioned this on an, that it comes down to the individual at the end of the day. In fact you had mentioned in your in your article that unless there's a change in mentality traffic and parking problems would remain and probably even increase. Um, do you think that public mentality regarding transportation has evolved over the past few years?
1: I would say if we look around us um, I don't see much of a change in, in mentality um, and I think Given the situation of of these last few months, I would say that most probably the situation will worsen. We have seen some statistics where um, public transport usage has decreased during the COVID period. Obviously, um, that is maybe due to um, uncertainty um, about the safety of public transport passengers.
2: But also staying at
1: home, working from home? yes that does not only change public transport usage that also causes an effect on traffic in general Mm -hmm. i would say that there were few months where we did see less cars on the road but once we we started basically getting back to some form of normal routines we started traf- seeing traffic again increasing maybe not those congested roads but we, we started seeing an increase in traffic
2: it's up to the individual there hasn't really been a change in the mentality i agree i th- and i think that is going to take a huge cultural shift but then if it, if it does come down to culture and society, then there is um, also a societal responsibility to change as well. What are your thoughts on that?
1: If we look at the situation in Malta, especially in respect of, for example, public transport, I think public transport is accessible throughout the island. So the network is extensive and also um, it is relatively cheap to use public transport. So I would say from um, an equity point of view, access to public transport is, is there throughout the island. On the other hand, if uh, we speak about public transport, um, most of the time we speak about the inefficiency of public transport. And I wouldn't say that the system itself is ine- ine- inefficient. It is more that buses have to share the road, same road space as cars do. So if it is a congested road space, buses have to pass through that congested road space. So from my end, I would say there are a number of things which could be changed. For example, better infrastructure for cycling and walking. Another idea would be the discussion about mass transit. Should we go for um, for a metro, for um, just bus lanes, Or should we go, for example, for a hybrid system?
2: More ferries,
1: which the government is planning? Yes. Um, So there are a number of options which are in discussion. In my opinion, a decision should be taken on which option should we go for, or which combination of options we should go for, so that individuals are offered the choice. So if I would like, for a short distance, to, uh, to go on foot, then I know that the infrastructure is safe if I would like to use public transport, I know that I can get to a place within 15 minutes if the system in general is improved.
2: That guarantee that you can actually get somewhere at a particular period
1: of time, which we don't have with
2: the buses right now. Yes,
1: basically that's it. With the buses up to now, sharing the same road space as cars, we cannot guarantee that reliability. So that's why I think at that level, we need a major, rethinking of the situation and that would be the options of mass transit the various ones we should discuss them but we shouldn't keep discussing them for over 20 years that is what we have been doing it it is time that we reach a decision is a metro feasible or not if it is not then we stop discussing it and we move to the next option
2: why has it uh, been taking so long to make a decision
1: what I mentioned to my students is that in the uh, structure plan, so basically that was one of the first documents which, um, which spoke about transport policy at that time, a mass um, trans- transit system was already indicated. so now more than 20 years have passed, and we're still discussing it and actually we never implemented any of um, there were reports. Um, currently, there is also um, a report which, um, uh, which is not publicly available, but basically it was mentioned um, in, in the media that um, a study has been carried out on uh, on Maastricht transit, and basically we're still waiting to discuss it once again. In my opinion, we should stop discussing and decide the way forward on implementation. Once. Mind you, um, when we speak about um, such a shift in, uh, in in transport, financially is not um, is not um, straightforward. So basically, we're speaking about um, a major shift, most probably in infrastructure, and also planning issues, etc. However, the disc- in my opinion, discussion should start, and from that we should move move on forward on deciding which. System we should opt for
0: there was uh, if I'm not mistaken a few months ago There was this idea floating around of building a I think it's called a sky rail where there is like a, a train well not a train exactly like uh, What are they called? Oh, again? I,
2: I forget what they're called, but it's like w- ski lifts
0: Ah, like a ski lift all over the island Was that actually feasible? Or or I or
2: I'd heard about a specific one between Valletta and Slima so
1: basically, as you, as you say, rightly so, there have been a number of ideas floated around. So ideas from individuals, ideas from NGOs, but as I said, also studies being carried out by, um, by experts in the field. And that's why I say it, uh, we have discussed this for a long time. It's time that we take the decisions and move forward to implement whatever options we decide to go for as a country.
0: I couldn't agree more.
2: But I'm still confused over why the government can't take a decision. What is preventing them
1: from saying yes or no? Financially um, it is not um, a straightforward decision. Um, So basically the feasibility. uh, (laughs) Let us um, keep in mind that the scale of the island, so basically when we speak about transport, we speak about demand and supply. We are not speaking about uh, the millions of passengers which use, for example, other kind of systems in other countries on a daily basis. We speak about thousands of commuters. So, um, uh, so I, I think, but that is just my opinion, that um, uh, maybe um, discussion on how feasible it would be and uh, you know, the financing of such projects would have kept the government for, from implementing them up to now.
0: So far we've been trying to to incentivize the use of more green types of transport. Do you think that maybe we should try a different tack where, for instance, we look towards de-incentivising people from using private transport, uh, such as, you know, like, increasing the rate of tax on car owners or increasing the rate of insurance on people who own private vehicles? I'm shooting myself in the foot, actually, because I... I
2: you one of those i am one of those people
0: who will rather take my own car rather than public transport so maybe i am part of the problem but you know
2: (laughs) you are i'm just
1: in case you were not sure i'm telling you that you are (laughs) (laughs) so as i said i don't think it is a matter of incentives or disincentives at this stage i think it is a matter of a major rethink of offering um real choices um, to people to go for alternatives. Safe and efficient mass transit um, should, let's say, encourage people to uh, make a move towards public transport. Unless we have an efficient and reliable um, system, I would think that it will be very difficult for a lot of people to make the move to um, to other modes of transport
2: but aren't incentives and disincentives part of the rethink aren't aren't they used as a
1: catalyst to make those choices okay so let us take for example incentives which the government is giving for public transport Mm -hmm. so public transport is being made uh, free for certain categories of the population such as students students, such as um, elderly people etc and government also um, stated the intention that in future um, it intends to provide free public transport to everyone. I still do not see any, I would say, major shifts from people, even if transport is being offered for free for various um, uh, sectors of the population. I
0: mean, for me personally, even if public transport is free, I'm. The only way I would consider taking public transport is if I know that I'm going to get to point B to my destination on time or at the very maximum, at least just five minutes later.
2: Yeah, but that's an example of something that we know isn't working. But uh, the example that David raised, I mean, if we were to raise... Taxes on car owners or if insurance became very car insurance became very expensive that hasn't been tried before to my knowledge
0: but don't you th- I think it would be a bit unfair where for instance we let's say disencourage for because I can't think of the word right now where we don't encourage people to use private transport we don't give them an alternative i mean mm-hmm. if i'm going to be taxed for heavily taxed for using my car, then at the least I should have a reliable alternative. Mm-hmm.
1: That's why I was speaking about offering the choices to people. Before those choices, real choices are there. Um, I don't I don't yes. think I I, yeah. I don't think that people will be moved by incentives and disincentives mm-hmm. unless they are offered these um, real choices.
0: So the best example of our earlier statement we were talking about the car as like a symbol of you know of independence and how it's necessary. At university, we used to have a a sports complex which was converted into a parking lot. What do you think this says about our culture where we're willing to destroy a sports complex in order to have more parking spots?
1: I think that in general, mentality hasn't changed much in these last years. And that is also reflected in the, the students' mentality. As I also indicated, it will take years to do so. So this will not come overnight. And as I said, irrespective of incentives and even of infrastructure improvement. So it will take time. So I think we need to accept that. However, on the other hand, um, if we take this sports complex at university, I think we also understand that this is a temporary situation. So basically we have um, uh, cars which have taken over part of the university grounds, part of the sports complex. Basically, um. the pipeline there is a project for the sports complex which will shift those parking spaces underground and as i said before that is one of the things which i see as positive so basically freeing more space around university as public open space and placing the the cars for example on the ring road and on various areas on campus and placing them underground so if we look at the more permanent project which is envisaged for that area i would see Um, a positive outcome for having cars um, being placed underground. Obviously, as it is at the moment, it is, as we said, taking up um, um, space. However, we must understand that in order to have also this change in mentality, we must go through a transition phase. So we, we must go through a phase where we accept that people will continue using their cars, people will continue looking up for parking spaces, And we shouldn't just overnight say, okay, we won't provide parking spaces. For me, that is not a solution. For me, that is um, an idea which will put off more people.
2: That makes a lot of sense. I mean, in fact, unfortunately, it is quite dangerous to, to travel in other ways besides the car. The ring roads is a perfect example. I nearly got hit by a car this morning. So there is no pavement to walk which means you are forced to walk on the road and that is unacceptable and yet uh, it's going to take a long time to fix and I love the idea of creating underground parking but with the sports complex there were other options there were parking spots outside of university um, but also within walking distance so um, the fact that the decision was made to say okay we will convert this to a parking lot I guess I'm questioning why weren't other alternatives considered because this is what we're talking about, right? Is coming up with other uh, other types of infrastructure and other solutions and multiple solutions because there isn't just
1: one.
0: It seems a bit short term, you know, just building more parking spaces.
1: But for example, one of the things you mentioned is there is space available outside of university. However, one must keep in mind not, you know, to be enclosed in one's own bubble. So mm-hmm if we look of, of what is happening around university, we are seeing that the issues that university is having with parking is overspilling onto surrounding areas. Mm-hmm. So, so there people live, there are residential areas, there are commercial areas. So one shouldn't just look, listen, we're solving the university problem, but we're shifting it onto um, other communities. Right. Yeah. So as I said, transport is not a simple subject it is complex and most of the time you need to find solution with stakeholders so that's why I mentioned collaboration at the beginning so oh, you right. must you must speak with um, uh, surrounding communities and look for solutions which are not just a solution for university but also for um, for,
0: uh, for the
1: surrounding included. areas which are being Absolutely. affected
0: and on that note we need to <laughs> rethink pun intended uh, the way we look at transport